Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. You can find a seat. You can find your seat. And uh, man, it's good stuff. I love the presence of Jesus. If we don't have his presence, I don't know that we've got much. We can do a lot and get by, but I don't, I don't want to do it without him. I'm so thankful for his, just his closeness here today. Thank you, Tim. Um, if you are first-time guest here or if you've been coming a while and you're not getting text or email updates, there's a QR code that's going to pop up behind me. Just scan that, and uh, if you're a first-timer, I know it's already been said, but make your way out to the lobby. There's a table out there. One of our team members uh, is going to be happy to meet you out there, give you a coffee mug, little goodie bag. And uh, tell you a little bit about how you can get connected here if you're not already. We have communities going on in full swing right now. And uh, <laughs> uh, they're great. And so if you're not in a community so far, uh, sign up online, thedwellingchurch.org, and, um, and get in a community. We're not meant to do life alone. And so, uh, man, it's just part of the Christian life. It's part of becoming like Jesus, and we become by, um, by getting together and doing life together. So um, I, I, I've got one more announcement before we jump into the message today. How many know, like, Easter is almost here? Um, so if you haven't been to Target lately, <laughs> they just kind of slap you with it, right, when you come in the door, don't they? Um, Easter's coming up April 9th, and if you haven't noticed, it's a little crowded in here today, and so I know that when you invite your neighbor that you've been looking for an excuse to invite to church, when you invite your coworker that doesn't know Jesus for Easter so that they can hear the gospel, we're, gonna, uh, we're not going to be able to fit in here, okay? So we are going to two services on Easter Sunday. We did this last year, and it was fun. It was awesome. So here's the service times, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. 9 a.m. 11 a.m. So you guys come at 9, and you guys come at 9. So uh, what's cool about this, it gives our opportunity for some of our, our serve team members who don't get to come in here because they're in kids or they're in a lobby position or something serving that they get to serve one and then attend one. So that's, that's cool. Everybody gets to play on Sunday. And so I want you to be thinking about who you're going to invite for Easter Sunday, that family member or that coworker or that neighbor, because uh, I can promise you this. I can't vouch for God what he's going to do, but I'm not going to be weird, okay? Like purposefully weird. I'm going to try to just give the gospel as clearly as I know and it be encouraging. And we were talking about the, this as a lead team about planning for Easter. And, and we were talking about the purpose for Easter. I'm like, why are we doing this? You know, why, what's different about Easter than any other Sunday? And really it's not, we're just celebrating Jesus like always, but we know that a great percentage of people who wouldn't come to church any other time come at Easter. And so it's the perfect time to invite. It's the perfect time to give it just a clear Jesus, gospel of the kingdom message so that people can get in on what we've already experienced. Are you grateful for what God's done in your life? Make room for somebody else. Make room for somebody else to experience that too. That's what it's about. So uh, we are in 
a series called Becoming. This is week through, week three, week through. Do you see that? That's like halfway in between. Week three of Becoming Like Jesus. It's a journey of spiritual formation. And uh, I've got a few books. I'm gonna quote this guy a lot. And I'll just go ahead and warn you today, it's not like an exposition of scripture. And it's, you know, I'm gonna pretty much break open um, what an author has, has already poured out in his book. And here's a book. Here's my book recommendations. I'm not getting paid for this. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro, Peter Scazzaro. And another book called Invitation to a Journey by Robert Mulholland. These books are really foundational when it comes to spiritual formation and becoming like Christ, what that looks like. And um, I, I've just got to do this. I got another book this weekend, and it's called The Very Embarrassing Book of Dad Jokes Because Your Dad Thinks He's Hilarious. Would y'all like to hear one? Where did Robin Hood buy his flowers? Sherwood Florist. That was good. Um, you don't have time for me to find an appropriate one. What's bright red and weighs four tons? An elephant holding his breath. If you want to steal some dads, it's right here. Don't take my book. I need it for when you guys get boring out there. And, uh, but also this, come take a look. Don't take this, but come look at it. If you're like, what did he say? It's right there, okay? All right, so let's, uh, let's dig in together. Becoming week three, Romans 8, 29. Romans 8, 29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Some of y'all freaked out when I, when I said predestined, but all that means is God knew you, he foreknew. In other words, he knew about you before you were born. He dreamed you up, by the way. And his will for your life has always been to make you like him. He created you in his image, and then he, he paid the price. He died on the cross for you. And the, the, the will of the Father, if you're wondering what God's will is for your life, it tells us right there, the will of the Father is that you be conformed into the image of his Son. And so spiritual formation is just becoming more like Jesus. Robert Mulholland, in that book I just threw down, he says, spiritual formation is the process of being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. So first week, we talked about inside out. Remember the circles on the whiteboard where something happened in our spirit that changed us. We're changed from the inside out, not the outside in. Jesus told religious people, you worried about the outside of the cup, but you look down in that thing, it's nasty in there. Like, why are you washing the outside of the cup? You need to be worried about the inside. It's, it's a parable to illustrate what, what the kingdom actually does in our heart. It's not religion that changes from the in, outside in. It's actually a relationship with Jesus and his kingdom and what he does in us by his Holy Spirit. The gospel is I become a new creation. Yeah. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
And what happens on the inside of me will work its way out. And that's what spiritual formation looks like. That's what it looks like to grow in Jesus. Something's happened here that shows up in the way I think, feel, and behave. And, and it's a process. It's a process. You don't just say, oh, Jesus, I'll give my life to you. And then, wow, I'm perfect now. You know, like, but you are. Like, in a way, it's a both and. It's a tension of the kingdom. Like, he's made you holy, but because you are holy, now live holy. Like, be who you are. You're a new creation, be a new creation. So it's this walking it out. And then last week we talked about the hard stuff of spiritual formation where we really got to take our hands off our life for God to be able to do anything with us. And some of you already come up to me today. Let me tell you what God did in my life this week. Like that whole issue of control. Um, until we hand over the reins of our life to Jesus, we can't expect to become more like Jesus because we don't know how to be like Jesus, but he knows how to make us like him. So that's really the first step. It's just Jesus, hands off. You just have your way with me. We already prayed that today. I hope you meant it because he'll take you up on it. And then today I want to talk about this part of the journey. Um, and if I had to title the message, it'd be the journey through the wall. And... Um, we're looking deeper into the journey of becoming like Jesus. And on any journey, on any trip that you're going on, you need to know where you are and where you're going, right? You punch in, you say, and I won't say it because she'll start talking to me, but I tell this lady on my watch that I want to go from here to there. And I've got to have a starting place and I've got to have an ending place, right? I mean, we've come a long way with this stuff. Like, I don't know if you, some of you people that are older... Uh, generation would remember this. When I was growing up, we had a Rand McNally Atlas of North America and territories, U.S. territories, and that joker slid back in the back seat right there in that little pocket. And if you didn't know where you're going, you took it out, and it was about this big when you got it folded out. People used to do that. Listen, if you are if you are Gen Z Alpha, you don't know nothing about Rand McNally. But let me tell you, like it was a day. You talk about, you think texting is dangerous? We used to have like maps that blocked the entire windshield to see where we were going. And, and then we progressed a little bit. And I remember when we came on our honeymoon to Savannah. Did y'all know that? We came on our honeymoon to Savannah. And then years later, we moved here. But um, the, way, the only reason we got here is MapQuest. See, some of y'all don't know what MapQuest is. <laughs> MapQuest, I don't even know if we had laptops. We sure didn't have phones like this. We had the phones where you had to pray. If you want to do J, you had to press it like more than one time. <laughs> Take you an hour to text, hi, mom. But MapQuest, you'd go on your big clunky computer and you would punch in, I want to go, I want to start in Savannah and I want to go to Nashville. And it would give you turn-by-turn turn directions, and then you hit print. And then you'd take that paper with you into the car, and you'd hold it in front of your face while driving to find your way around. And now we have, you know, all these things tell us. Even, I mean, if you live in Savannah, I'll just give you a little tip. Maybe some of you are new here. Always put it in the GPS. I don't care if you're going to Cracker Barrel or to Chick-fil-A. You know how to get there. 
ask her how to get there because you know there's going to be an accident or something, and it's going to take you three hours to get there. So I've started doing that. My wife's like, I don't know why you even go anywhere without. I was, I was supposed to meet with Kevin and, and uh, Hope the other day, and I, I put in my stuff, and I, was, I, I did it too late. I was already on the interstate. I sat there for three hours. But the, 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 yeah, thank you for the, the sympathy. Oh, that's terrible. They're like, Gunner, you're not special. Like we all do that. Stop talking about. It. So, um, it's important to know where you're going. It's important to know where you are. Sometimes I think in our, our walk with Jesus, we kind of just go about it haphazardly, and it may be because nobody actually told you how to get there or where you were going. And I think sometimes we're like, okay, what do I do now? I'm walking with Jesus. I guess I'll go to church, read my Bible, and pray. Where am I going? Have you ever even thought about it? Some, some of you, this may be even a new thought. Like, oh, there's a destination? And, and so I, I want us to, that, maybe, maybe you didn't hear it in church, and I don't want that to happen here, okay? So let's talk about where we are and where we're going. And one of the most helpful tools that I've ever found is found in that um, Pete Cesaro's book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And he, he talks about the six stages of spiritual development. Yeah. The six stages of spiritual development. I'm going to talk about three today because I want to give it the time that it needs. This has been one of the most helpful things in my life personally to see where I am and to see where I'm going and also the people as a pastor, as a, as, a, as a leader, being able to see people, like look at people's lives and, and try to get an idea of where they are on their spiritual journey so you can kind of help them along with Jesus. Because that's what discipleship is, by the way. It's not someone becoming just like you. It's you just taking somebody by the hand and leading them to their true shepherd. And so um, this whole process is just... It's, it's real, or this whole uh, idea is just really important to the process. So I don't have my whiteboard because I was like, it's too clunky up here. So note takers, this is your dream come true. Okay, so number one, <laughs> you know how rare this is, right? Number one, stage one is a life-changing awareness of God. A life-changing awareness of God. This first stage on your spiritual journey is where you are suddenly taken with the awareness that God is present and that he's real. And he's not off somewhere. He's actually close. It's this awareness of the gospel. I'm understanding the gospel for the first time. And I'm not just thinking, oh, Jesus died for the world. No, I see it personally. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember that moment? When like God came alive to you. Some of you are very young. Some of you were, were on up in years before this awareness came of like, this is God at work in my life right now. And you respond to his presence in your life. So some of you that look like a preacher stood up and they said, if you give your heart to Jesus right now, raise your hand, come on up here. Someone prayed with you. You were baptized um, just to as your first step of obedience to follow the Lord in, in baptism. And that was how you responded. And that series, that, that stage of your life was like this beautiful awakening. It was like this beautiful beginning with Jesus. It was this 
Love relationship, like we talked about a while ago, where the Lord is bringing us back into that, falling in love again. And I remember, I've shared this story numerous times when I was 14 years old. I remember at some point having the realization, I love Jesus. Like I'd gone my whole life, and at 14 years old, I realized, like, what is this happening right here in me? Like, I don't know what to do with that. I love Jesus. Does that not strike y'all as weird a little bit? Like, do you remember when you felt that? Like you felt an affection to God that you can't see. And, and it, it's because of the work he was doing in me. And, but that was that season of my life. It was a falling in love stage. It was, that, it was that lovesick phase of like, I just love you, Jesus. I'm just so thankful for what you're doing in my life that, that you've forgiven me. How many know we should never get over stage one? Like we can't stay at stage one, but we should never get over what Jesus did in our lives. And then stage two is what Scazzaro calls discipleship or learning. Some others have, have called it a, um, a knowing or a, 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 it's not just awareness of God, but a seeking after God, Right. So God has revealed himself to our life, and then we start seeking him. We're hungry. We, we, we pour over this word right here. That happened in my life too. Do you remember that in your own life? You love Jesus, and you're automatically like, I want to know what he's like. And so I had a desire to read my Bible for the first time. I'm like, where does this come from? And it's the Holy Spirit. It's this journey with Jesus. And I got hungry. I remember as a youth, youth pastor early on, like there was a couple kids that came to the Lord in our youth group. And one of them, he, I just noticed he was showing me something he was reading. And he opened his Bible and the whole page is highlighted. And I'm like, he's like, yeah, I probably need to stop highlighting because I'm highlighting my whole Bible because everything's good. And I was like, dude, like, that's, yeah, you don't, you don't even have to highlight it because it's all going to be yellow. But that was that hunger. It's like, I just can't get enough of the word. I just can't get enough of worship and being at church and like all of that. You know, you've been there. How many know we can't get over stage two either? Like you can't stay there, but like there's this hunger, like you just want somebody to pour into you. You want to like, maybe someone poured into your life like they did mine and just said, hey, let's meet together. Let's get together. Come over to the house and we'll talk about what the Lord's doing in your life. You know, somebody needs you to do that for them too. Like, let's, what's God saying to you? What are you learning in the word? It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be complicated. God's at work in your life. And, and, and during this stage of discipleship and learning, you're learning the basic things about how to spend time with God. Reading the Bible, you're learning that you, you really just love it and you want to learn and you want to get in every Bible study you can and you're being discipled either on purpose or accident because you're just so hungry, you're just eating everything. You're on YouTube, you know, and you're just like finding everything you can find to learn. And this stage, and don't misunderstand me when I say this, but this stage, stage two, is largely a self-centered, self-focused stage. Not, that's not a bad thing because it's a time for everything. But you're worried about just you and Jesus, 
right? That's what you're, you're just so, you love Jesus so much and then you're so hungry and you want to learn and you want to know and it's really between you and him and it's like, you, it's hard to see anything else going on because you're just in pursuit. And then you move to stage three. Every one of these stages is good, by the way. Every one of them is moving on in a relationship with God. Stage three is where you begin to realize that it's, there's more people in the world than just you and Jesus. And you start to realize, oh, people have needs. And Jesus loves these people around me. And, and I actually, what I've received from God and being disciple, maybe I should disciple somebody now. Maybe I should start pouring my life into somebody else. Maybe I should start serving in my local church. Maybe I should start getting involved with things like Forsyth feeding this afternoon, going and feeding, feeding the people in the park. Because I have this, in, I'm not being pressured, but I'm being compelled because of what God is doing in me. It's no longer just about me. I'm actually seeing the need and I'm, I'm partnering with Jesus to meet needs and to serve people. And so stage three will be called the active life or serving or giving of yourself, all right? So stage one, y'all, let's review. Life-changing awareness of God. Stage two is discipleship or learning. Stage three is the active life of serving. You don't want to just sit and soak anymore. You want to make what happened for you happen for others. And things are going smoothly. Stage three, man, like this is where, this is where most people are, right? I mean, you've met Jesus. You've, you're learning. and never, never stops. But that season of just, you've moved on to now, oh, my world just got bigger and I'm, I'm serving, I'm, I'm giving, I'm, I'm living this active life with Jesus. I'm doing everything I can for Jesus and everything's going great. And you're going 90 miles an hour and you hit a wall and the wall is what Cazero explains it this way. He says, for most of us, the wall appears through a crisis that turns our world upside down. It comes perhaps through a divorce, a job loss, a death of a close friend or family member, a cancer diagnosis, a disillusioning church experience, a betrayal, a shattered dream, a wayward child, a car accident, an inability to get pregnant, a deep desire to marry that remains unfulfilled, a spiritual dryness or a loss of joy in our relationship with God. And we question ourselves, we question God, we question the church. We discover for the first time that our faith doesn't appear to work. And we have more questions than answers as the very foundation of our faith feels like it's on the line. We don't know where God is. We don't know what he's doing, where he is going, how he's getting us there, or when this will be over. Have you ever hit the wall? Let me tell you something. If we, if we go by the statistics, 80% of the evangelical church doesn't make it through the wall. So let me rephrase it. 80% of the evangelical church who have, who have said yes to Jesus have a life-changing awareness of God do the growing thing, the learning thing, and then they're, then they're serving. 
And they're, they're globally minded. They're looking outside of themselves. That's as far as most Christians get. And we think it's normal. As a matter of fact, a lot of our church structure is set up to get them saved, get them, get them the basics, and get them serving. And that's where it stops. I'm here to tell you today, there is more. But there's a big wall before you get to the more. And there's many of the, in this room, I see tears all over this room right now as I'm looking in your eyes because many of you know this is where I am. And can I tell you, this is not where you're going to stay. This is a wall that you're going to get through. And the other side, of, you got three more stages. There's a whole lot more Jesus going to come into your life. And so this is a temporary thing. And I, I want to lean in this today because I can't say, and there's a wall and I hope you get through it. Let's move on to stage four. Not, no, we're spending the rest of the time we got today talking about this wall because the Lord is committed to you. He's committed to you. And the wall is not your fault or anybody else's. The wall is the providence of God not that he causes whatever you're going through or what you've gone through, but he uses it to mine out the gold in your life. He uses it to refine you, to make you more like Jesus. The one thing that's keeping us from being fully like Jesus are issues in our character, it's issues in our thinking. And there are situations in our life when we hit this wall that we're confronted with those things. Now, there, there are three things just in my own experience and in what I've seen in the church, knowing this terminology, knowing this, having a grid for seeing what happens in our lives is so helpful because now I can look back and say, oh yeah, that's what happened in my life or that's what I've seen happen in, in my years of ministry. And throughout these years, I've seen three responses to people hitting the wall. And number one is this, jumping ship. Like going along and they're like, yeah, they had a, it looked like they had a life-changing encounter with God, man. They were hungry. They were going, they were serving in the church. They were getting it, getting after it for Jesus. And then bam, they just disappeared. And now they don't even believe in, they just said that, I don't know about the church thing. I don't know about the God thing. Have you known anybody like that before? Maybe you're in that place today and you just don't want to say it out loud. Can I tell you, you've hit a wall. And so one thing is jumping ship. A lot of people right now that are doing the whole deconstructing thing, which I'm not against, by the way. I think we need to be de deconstructing everything as long as we construct it back together again and not just tear it down and walk away. But we, we ought to be having questions. We ought to be like, is this what Jesus really intended for his church? Yes, we should ask those questions. Is this what Jesus intends for my life? Yes, we should do that stuff. But a lot of people, we, we go into that deconstruction thing and I, you can see it in people's lives and all that's happening is they've hit the wall and they don't know what to do. So instead of being mad at people who are like, well, I don't know right now. Just, Where you been? I don't you know. I'm just kind of just having a hard time and I don't, I don't know about the faith thing. I'm really struggling with my relationship with God right now. Um, I'm taking some, I'm taking, you know, I just need to, I need to step back from serving, Pastor. Do you know what I think now? 
I don't say, well, find them. We don't need you. <laughs> you know, or pastor, I think I'm going to find another church. <gasps> Why? What's wrong with me? What did I say? You know, I used to act that way. Now I think, oh, it's the wall. It's the wall. And, and I don't think, oh, oh, well, they're just falling away. No, now I think, oh, this is the greatest opportunity ever because on the other side of this is glory like you have never experienced before with Jesus. And so, number one, jumping ship. Number two is kind of a term I've coined called the cycle of hard knocks where you just come back, hit the wall over and over again (laughs) because here's what you do. You're going 90 miles an hour and you... Bam! Where did that come from? Oh my gosh, I'm questioning everything. Maybe I'm doing too much. So I'm going to back off and I'm going to do this. And In other words, we take control of our spiritual walk again. Because that's what happens when you hit a wall. You think, man, I got to put my hands on the wheels again. I gave this thing to God and he's messed it up big time. And so I, now I need to control my spiritual walk and I need to make sure that I'm forming myself because God's not doing a good job of forming me. And so we hit the wall and then we think, okay, what adjustments do I need to make? And we make the adjustments only to find out there's a wall right over here too and we hit it. And then this happens a lot. This is, this is the moment where a lot of people, uh, and I know this is awkward coming from the pastor, but I'll just be honest. This is where a lot of people go switch churches because they've had a relational conflict or they've had something happen in their life and they just don't want to deal with it with community. And so they're like, no, thanks. The problem with that, the wall is going to be there no matter what you do. Can I just tell you, you will hit a wall and you will have to walk through the wall to go on with Jesus. And your father is so committed to you. He will not let you run around walls for the rest of your life. He will bring you to a point of desperation if it's, so, if it's so needed where you have no other choice but to go through the wall. This is a defining moment in our lives. This is, it doesn't matter how much you try to manage it. It doesn't matter how much you try to avoid disappointment or pain. You're going to hit the wall again and again and again because God knows something's on the other side of it that you really need to get through this wall. But 80% of the evangelical, evangelical can't say that word. Maybe I should just stop saying it because what does it even mean? 80% of Christians don't get through the wall. Why? Because they either jump ship or they just keep going around in circles. Bam. Well, maybe I could do this. Bam. Maybe I got the wrong friends in my life. Bam. Maybe I need to, you know, and it's, it, we wonder why. And as long as we try to overmanage, as long as we try to manage getting around a wall, climbing a wall, whatever, we'll never get through the wall. How many Lord of, Lord of the Rings fans I got in here? You got to go through the fires of Mordor. You got to. I, I put a, this is so nerdy. You know, the, you know the AI chat stuff, like the, the language stuff, and you can say, tell me a story about whatever? That's like my jam now. I don't know. Like, if I have a free second, I want to I wanna read a little, they're not, not very long, but I put in there, what would happen if Bilbo never said yes to Gandalf to go on the thing? And I call it a she because 
Most of them are that talk to us on our devices and stuff. And he went anyway. Like he, 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 he sat there and he was like, I don't know. Maybe not. No, thanks, Gandalf. And then he sits there long enough. He's like, I got to go. And it just illustrated that point. Like you, there, there, if, if you're, how many Star Wars fans are going to hear? Yeah. You got to face Vader, Luke. Like it's in every story. Why do you think this is in every story? Because it's the human experience. It's like Simba's got to go. You got to go face Scar. You got to go back to Pride Rock. Listen, you're living it up with a warthog and a Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. You're going to get smacked in the face with a wall again. Because that's just a dream world. To think you're going to find this perfect Life where you don't have that, you're not going to hit a wall is, is really a dream world because becoming like Jesus requires a wall. Listen, Jesus himself went through this excruciating moment in the garden where he said, it's not my will, but it's yours. Jesus himself hit a wall of, oh God, if it's at all possible, let this cut pass from me. Nevertheless, let not my will, but yours be done. And that's how we got to approach the wall. When we, hit, when we hit the wall, and if we keep hitting the wall, maybe we need to just bow and say, Jesus, I can't get around this wall, and I'm, I, I, I know that if you're on the other side, that's what I want. I'll walk through the wall because he's with you. He's with you through it. And then that would be the, the third thing is through the wall. Pete Scazzaro says, emotionally healthy spirituality requires that you go through the pain of the wall or as the ancients called it, the dark night of the soul. Just as a physical wall stops us from moving ahead, God sometimes stops us in our spiritual journey through a spiritual wall in order to radically transform our character. Often we are brought to the wall by circumstances and crises beyond our control. Regardless of how we get there, every follower of Jesus, every follower of Jesus will at some point confront the wall. Failure to understand and surrender to God's working in us at the wall often results in long-term pain, ongoing immaturity, and confusion. Receiving the gift of God in the wall, however, transforms our lives forever. You may remember the story of Jacob in Genesis 32. It says, during the night he got up and he took his two wives, his two, son, uh, two servants' wives, and he, or two servant, yes, I'm reading that correctly, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions this left Jacob all alone in the camp. You ever felt like you're in it alone? You ever felt like, where'd everybody go? Where's God? And a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. You know who that man was? It's Jesus. Pre-incarnate Jesus. When the man saw that he would not win the match. Can we just pause every few words here? And just let it sink in. <laughs> You're not going to win. 
against Jesus. He touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. I chose that translation just because that's just so painful sounding. And it sounds like he did a little more than touch it, just being honest. <laughs> then the man said, have you ever had a knee pop out? Oh my gosh, I haven't. I don't like to see that. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is a man who's done had his leg twisted off about just about. And he says, no, I'm not letting go. How painful does it have to get for you to let go? To jump ship. You know, Jesus doesn't want to twist our legs. <laughs> he just wants our hearts. How painful will it have to get until you surrender? He says, I will not let go unless you bless me. And then the man asked him, what's your name? And Jacob said, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him, from now on, you'll be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. How do you win a fight with God? <laughs> By not letting go of him. No matter how painful it gets, how scary it gets, just not letting go. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. I need to know who just hurt me. <laughs> Why do you want to know my name? I think he kind of knew who it was, maybe. I don't know. Like, why do you want to know my name? Then he blessed Jacob there. And Jacob named the place Peniel. And he was limping because of the injury to his hip. The wall is painful. The wall is a crisis moment. The wall is not fun, but the wall is essential to the journey of becoming like Jesus. And surrender is essential to getting through the wall. So, I want to encourage you. For those that are in that season of their life right now, where you're between that stage three and stage four, and you're at the wall, and it seems like you are stuck. It seems like God is not around. It seems like you are disconnected. It seems like you are just having a really, really hard time due to whatever circumstance or whatever. Just know it's deeper than just what's going on on the outside. And know that God is doing something eternal and significant in your life. And you got a family who doesn't want you to walk it alone. Okay? Now, we want to run when we hit the wall because of shame and because of we don't know what to do and all that. And so we want to kind of just push away. Can I encourage you? Pull in. Pull in close to your community. Pull in close to your spiritual family. Here's another encouragement for you. The wall doesn't mean the end. It's not the finish line. If you are saying in your heart, 
this did not turn out like I dreamed it would. I just want to tell you God's not done. So, the wall that seems to be breaking you right now is the wall that's making you beautiful. There's so much more on the other side. And so, let's all stand. Lauren, if you could play for us. Here's, here's, how we're, here's how I feel like the Lord wants us to end today. Hold on just a minute. So here's what, I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads. Just close your eyes. And I want you to think about this. What is the greatest obstacle in your life right now? What's the greatest obstacle? And I just want you to sit with the acknowledgement. I mean, we're not asking anything about, we're, we're, we're not, I'm not even giving you a directive for this. I just want you to sit with the awareness of it. Because an altar call is not gonna get you through the wall today. <laughs> it's just not. It may be a huge step for you but there's no magic pill. There's just, don't let go. Don't let go. Next question. What is the reason you keep hitting the wall? Maybe you felt like, man, I hit the wall five years ago and I feel like I'm in the wall again. So the question is, what are you trying to manage that God is just saying, give it to me? What are you trying to manage that the Lord says surrender? And just sit with it. One of the things they'll tell you in counseling and therapy is just sit with that. Sometimes that's more healing than anything else. Just sit. Just acknowledge it. Then the third question is, who do you need to invite in on your journey? Some of you have already got really good family around you, really good friends that you've been able to open up to. and They're walking with you and you're so blessed. And some of you have hit a wall and you've not told anybody because it looks bad on you or it, you feel shame about opening up or whatever. You need people. Part of the reason you keep hitting the wall is you try to do it yourself. And maybe that's the thing that needs to be shaken off is the independence. So who do you need to invite in on your journey? Holy Spirit is bringing some things to light today. So here's how we, we're going to end the service today. I, I know this is not a, hi, a hype ending, but 
the, the Christian life is not all about these big flashy moments anyway. It's mostly walking it out, right? And so knowing what we know today, and I just feel like the, the Lord has turned on a light bulb in some of our minds today of, you know what? I thought it was over. It isn't over. This is temporary. And he's going to show you what to do to get through the wall. But he's going to talk through people a lot. He's going to talk through people. He's going to talk to you. He's going to reveal things in his word. He's going to whisper it to you in the night. But he's also going to use people. So would we just say to the Lord right now, Jesus, I'm at the wall. If this is you, I'm at the wall and I want to walk through it with you. So will you, will you speak? Will you help me to know who to invite into my life, into my space of honesty and vulnerability? Will you help me know what my next step is? How many believe he'll tell you? He will. He will. All right. So community leaders, if, if any of you guys are in here, if you lead a community, come on up here and make a, make a little prayer line up here. And uh, as we dismiss today, I want to invite anybody who feels like, hey, this is one of the first steps in this journey through the wall for me is to just go talk to somebody and receive prayer. And that's why we're making this available right now, okay? So if you have any need in your life, but especially something that, that has come up in this message today, and you just want somebody to just pray with you, these are all our community leaders. Let's give it up for them. We love you guys doing such a great job leading our communities. If you are in a community, go to your community leader. If you're not, just pick one of these, pick the weirdest person up here and get prayer, okay? I'm gonna pray to dismiss us and you're free to go unless you need to receive ministry today, okay? Is the Lord good? He's good. Has he spoken to you today? Right. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your, your truth, the wisdom that you bring, the... Um, just the guidance. We thank you, Lord, that you lead us by your eye. That you're such a good shepherd. And that we're all on a journey and it's not over because you're not done. And we look forward with hope, God, to what you're going to open up in the days ahead to us. As we know you more, as we love you deeper, and as we become who you died for us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a great week. See you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.